Father, thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Let us find mercy. Let us each find the mercy that you provided for us this day. And more besides, Lord, much more besides, your mercy opens the door to everything our hearts desire. And we desire you, Lord, more than anything. We've got it. We understand it. We're plugged in now. We know what's going on. So we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So we're going to continue talking about resurrection life and power and uh, exactly what that is. And it, it is the same power that dwells in us. And I think we minimize what what it can do for us because we don't always employ that power to the full. In fact, Ephesians 1, <clears throat> excuse me, let me start there. I'm going to read that to you. We read parts of it yesterday, but it's just so good in what the Apostle Paul um, prayed for the church. And uh, it, it I, I remember years ago when I was a new Christian, uh, we would get into different Bible studies and stuff, and people would say, well, this is a good prayer to pray uh, for Christians because it's an apostolic prayer. And what that means is the early church was covered by this prayer. And and when we talk about revival and we talk about moves of God, we always talk about the book of Acts in the early church. And so this is what the Apostle Paul prayed for all of the Christians um, that he was was supervising. He was the uh, the um, uh, the apostle in charge of their ministry and their churches and so forth. And so I just always enjoyed it. In fact, um, it's one that I pray regularly. And I know we have bookmarks uh, made with this prayer on it over the years. And we've always covered ourselves in the body of Christ with this prayer. And, and, and it is Ephesians 1, starting in verse 17. And this is talking about resurrection power available to the church. And it says here that he says in verse 16, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what I pray. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So in, in resurrection power, it's not just, um, an anointing, like a tangible something you can feel and just a substance. There's life. Um, there's, um, uh, the mind of God in that power. Uh, when you lay hands on people, it's just not, you're just not imparting a feeling to them. You can speak to that power or speak into that power and cause what you are speaking to come to pass in that situation and in that vessel. And so there is a wisdom and a revelation. It's like sometimes when you want to pray, uh, and you can't understand exactly how God wants you to pray. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him will put together. That's how you figure out how God wants you to pray for people. What he wants you to say to people. The the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation also includes the, the um, uh, gifts of the spirit. 
the nine gifts of the spirit so that when you don't have a a uh a what i call a holy ghost given answer for that situation at that time he will also he will give you specifically what you need to say to people so that uh um you can be accurate in what you tell them uh you can can know what God's speaking to them for their situation right then and right there um i i remember many many years ago uh when god first um uh, anointed me and and began to teach me and i was in a church and uh you know the pastor you know there's always a little conflict if you're a minister and somebody overuse a minister you know you may not see eye to eye on the same things and so um i had had been talking to the pastor about the gifts of the spirit and that I was studying them and I said I I really believe God wants to use people more that way so we can have an accurate way of ministering in fact he had asked me to minister one time and, and at the end of my preaching and God showed up with the word of knowledge where I began to minister to the audience you know what God was speaking, he was dealing with and how he was helping people. And, you know, pretty soon from the pulpit came, well, the gifts aren't as important as love. And I'm thinking to myself, well, they're one and the same. Cause they're of God. Why are you going to pull, why do people pick stuff apart, pull it apart? And they, this is more important than that. And this, well, it's more important to you cause you don't understand it. See, and you don't, you're not trying to. And it's not that I was doing anything wonderful and great. I was learning just like I'm learning now. But I do know this, that this is, it helps me more to be able to pray a little bit in the Holy Ghost and see if God has a word for you to help you specifically than it does for me to tell you, well, God loves you and it's going to be all right. And we all know that. If nothing else in the sweet by and by, everything's going to be all right. You understand? I want to know how to get my gas bill paid tomorrow. You got me? So, so I've always, you know, the Bible says to earnestly covet the best gifts. You, you need to covet to be able to help people specifically with what's going on in their lives. You know, if there's an answer available, you want to be able to find it. And this spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God provides it through the nine gifts of the spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Amen. Power gifts of healing, working of miracles, amen, and and uh, special faith. All of those gifts are available to us through this spirit. And this is the prayer that I've always treasured as a prayer that's working in my life because I pray it often. I know it by heart, been knowing it by heart for many years and, and let it minister to me from the inside so that I can be alert. That God, I'm asking you for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Amen. The things that you want done for this person in their situation, that's what I want to know. And and that's what God will give us. And he says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So this wisdom, revelation, knowledge, understanding, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. 
What's, what's God calling you to do? What's, what, what are you here for? What are you saved for? All of this stuff comes to you through the same power, resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that gives you wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So it's not just the anointing that we know when you touch somebody, you feel the power. It's the mind of God inside the power. So the spirit and the word must agree. So when when God shows up in power, there's a mind that goes with it. There's a knowledge that goes with it. There's a uh, a word that goes with that. And and that's what the Apostle Paul wants people to know. He wants you to have the whole package. In other words, you're not just feeling God and, and it's nice when he comes in and blesses you in the meeting and you feel his presence and that's wonderful and you worship him. But then there's more. There's wisdom, there's revelation, there's knowledge, there's understanding. There's all of those things come off of the same Holy Spirit. So there's so much more to him than sometimes we know. And he says uh, that that he says uh, the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. My goodness. You know, when when you talk about wealth, Having the Spirit of God in you, it gives you, it gives you that peace that, you know what, I don't really have to struggle about this stuff anymore. There's a knowing and a sense that God's got you, that He's taking care of you, that He's working on your inheritance. Amen. And you need to get busy working with Him. Get with Him on what He's doing. And you won't miss anything. Amen. But you have this, this knowing inside of you that, you know what, God, I'm, I'm not concerned about this. Not really. I may not be able to see it right now in the natural, but I know you got it for me. You know, you love me. You, you promise to take care of me every single need. And then what I want for besides. So it's not just needs now. It's, it's more. It's an inheritance. It's, it's laid up for us. Amen. For us to live, use down here on earth. Amen. When you get in heaven, everybody rich. You understand what I'm saying? Gold pavement, that's nothing. But down here on earth, it'll make a difference. Amen. And in how you live, how comfortable you are, what you can do for God, all of those things. And so we need to tap into what's my inheritance, Lord? I have the Holy Spirit. What's what what else is there to me that you need to show me? And God will begin to reveal what riches he's put inside of you. Everybody, everybody in here and everybody's ever born has some gifts, some riches, some ability inside of them that God wants to tap into. And you get it best when you get his spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Get to know him. You get to know your future because you're made in his image. You look in this book, you are looking at yourself. Say, I can do that. God, you gave me that. I can do that. You know, I did that with many things. Uh, when we, when we would, would, um, have first started the ministry and I would look and read certain things in the Bible and I said, God, I think that's me. You know, and, and nobody told me, nobody gave me permission to be that. You know, everybody's looking for somebody's permission to be who God called you to be. Just get up and do it. Amen. I'm serious. You know, this is, we've been waiting around long enough for nothing. 
most of us don't have anything on the burner. We just, you know, whatever shows up, that's cool. And if don't nobody come and take it away, that's even better. You know what I'm saying? I know I can keep it. And so we, we need to do that. You know, when I, I used to, I read about in the, in the, um, in the book of first Samuel, where Samuel began to prophesy and he said, bring me a minstrel so that I can hear the word of the Lord. And I said, I think that's me, God. I said, you know, <laughs> how is that me? We never had any live worship. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all can't bring me nothing. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? And, and then when I showed up, I realized when we had the conferences and we would have live worship, it would come alive like that. You understand what I'm saying? And I would sometimes I have to tell people musicians like to play, you know, in the background. They, you know, certain preachers, you know, it, it keeps them in the spirit. And, you know, I don't know, put everybody asleep or keep them awake. I don't know. It's kind of a tradition. You know, where they, they continue to play while you're preaching. And I noticed that if, if I would let them play, I'd start to sing and prophesy again. I said, y'all gonna have to stop that because I, you, you understand what I'm saying? And so it's, it's part of the gifting that God gave me. And, and I don't like it because I don't think I have a good trained singing voice. And I've asked the Lord to help me with my voice, but he won't do it. So y'all gotta suffer through and, and help me figure out what, what's going on here. But we gonna hear from God. Take you all night, we gonna hear from God. <laughs> so anyway, you know, but, but it, it, those are the things that, that I would see. And then I saw Miriam, a, uh, Moses' sister, and she danced with the tambourine. And so I said, now Lord, you ain't telling me to get up and dance, but I said, we got like four little, twelve little midi mice down here. We can put them to dance. You understand what I'm saying? And, and we, we had the dance ministry for the girls and, and all the girls participated. You know, now I ain't stupid. I'm not going to cause, you know, somebody's, <laughs> some, that's my baby. You know, somebody's mama come on. How come my baby ain't up there dancing? She danced better than everybody in here. I wasn't going there. I said, everybody get up and dance. You got me? We we all anointed of God. And it worked. And it, it was the way God wanted to groom them into being good Christian young women so that they had something to draw from to remind them who they belong to. You know, that's what ministry does for you. It gives you an investment in the spirit of God different from what everybody else has. A unique thing to you that you know always draws you back to God, you know. Well, hopefully, you know, I mean, that's what it's for. But but it was for the development of their spirit and their awareness in God. Everybody's got this gift. Let's get up and use it for his glory. And so so these are the things that that the spirit of wisdom and revelation can point you into is showing you what treasure is inside of you and allowing God by his spirit to pull that out of you. You know, so that that he can be glorified. People can hear what God has to say. They can be enriched by it, whatever. But however God wants to use it, that's what you want. That's what you want. And so these are the riches, the hope of his calling. What does he call me to do? 
Amen. What has he called me to do? How is this working, uh, his will in, in my life and working for the good of his calling? For me, it says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, exceeding greatness, exceeding greatness of his power. And sometimes we're scared of a a headache. You understand what? Oh, Lord, my head fobbing. Wonder what that means. Oh, I was looking at so-and-so not too. And they said a symptom of so-and-so is a head fobbing. And, 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 you know, you just go off like that. You think, wait a minute. This is exceeding great power. Why don't I call on the exceeding great power that's already within me to help me in this situation? What am I sitting here wanting to wonder what it's about? It's about you're healed. And it's about you letting that power work healing into you and not be so afraid of these temporal things. Amen. And it says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Do you believe? Let him work that power to you. Amen. And, and what is the, that, that in the working of his, according to the working of his mighty power, he keeps embellishing on the intensity, the strength and the, 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 um, the greatness of the power. You know, he's embellishing on that. Paul's trying to stress to people, you don't have to fear anything. You don't have to roll over every time Caesar says something or every time the Pharisees get mad about something. You don't have to be that. You got exceeding. I want you to know what you got inside you and start to harness that and get that to work for you. Amen. He says this power which he wrought in Christ when he raised this is resurrection power. When he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might. Well, how far up you, you need him to go for you to have confidence in the greatness of this power working in you 24-7. All you have to do to harness this power is release it. And there's, there's things you can do to release it. We'll talk about those. But you gotta be sold on the fact that this is the greatest power. You know, the resurrection of Jesus is, is spoken of as one of the greatest, uh, phenomena that ever, ever happened in the earth. It's held up as, as, why do you think Time is is counted in before Christ and after because he stopped time. And what happened when he hit the earth and when he left was something that was never done before. So much so that people in in all governments, all people from 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 uh, B.C. to A.D. honor that. Nobody will count and say, well, we don't, we don't have to change that because I don't know about this Jesus. No, you just leave that where it is. Cause he, he shattered the earth. Amen. He upset everything because he was very God and very man. Amen. Nobody else ever like him. Nobody. And he says he had put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over the church. Well, if he's the head, we're the body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. So we have that power working in us. We need to appreciate it. We need to stop and think about it. We need to honor it. We need to ask God to show us more about this power. 
God, what do I need to know about this? What, what, how can I get this working in my life to your glory? Amen. You don't want to just try to take God's power, do anything, anything with it. You, you have, you learn how to respect it. Amen. But, but you want to know, you want to know, we all want to know. And so that's Paul's prayer. That's our prayer. That's a prayer that's prayed over people in this ministry from, from forever. So that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him works in us mightily. Amen. Works in us mightily. You need the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do. Nobody, you don't go to anybody that wants your opinion on anything. You belong to God. And from now on, you honor him and speak his word. You give people his word. If a gift of the spirit don't show up, let me just give you a hint. Don't try to make one up. Because we don't need no more made up stuff. We got enough fictitious people on social media. Amen. So you want, you want to give people what's authentic. If, if you don't get a prophecy or a word of knowledge, just pray the word. The word always works. Amen. Amen. You don't need to prophesy. Well, God told me to tell you. He told you nothing more than likely told you to pray the word with that person. Pray for, ask them, what need do you have? And just release the word into that. And let the resurrection power come to life for them so that they can know what is the hope of their calling. Amen? So what is this power in, in, in what does it do? Well, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So what happened when he was raised from the dead? You know, um, in Matthew 27... Let me see where I want to start. 45. Uh, From the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, people believe, and, and probably rightly so, this was where sin was laid on him. The father did not see forsake. That's a covenant term. Forsake. Amen. It's, it's, it's why you can go. If you're, if you're married and, and your husband leaves you and your 14 children with no money, you can go to court. Cause you got a vow. Amen. Am I right, Poppy? You, you can go to court. Amen. And you can sue that brother. Because he's abandoned and forsaken. To forsake means you have a vow. You made a promise to somebody and you renege on that promise. Well, even a legal court system won't let that stand. You can, you can go and, and get what's due you. Amen. This brother, we got, I had all them witnesses. They gave us a big lavish wedding and you know, and here we are 14 years later and you know, 14 repeats down here. And, he didn't got stupid and walked off. Well, they go find him. Amen. And they'll make him pay. Why? Cause to forsake somebody is, is, you know, that's, that's more damnable than just reneging on a written contract. Say for instance, you have a contract, somebody says they're going to repair your car. They cannot repair your car right and you'll chase them in the court system forever. But you get in family court, child support, paternity tests, 
the brother is nailed. You got me? He'll find out it's cheaper to keep her. They go home and beg their way back in. I'm going to be good. You better. That's best for you. Amen? Because the to forsake somebody is stronger than breaking a, a contract that you've written out and signed. Because when you break a contract, they can always sue you for damages. If you continue to pursue, you might be able to collect something. But when you forsake somebody, that brings God into the picture where he will not allow that person to be able to get off the hook as far as their verbal vow to you. Amen. They're spoken before God that they're going to uphold this and they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And when it, when they say, uh, for better or for worse, sickness or hell, forsaking everybody else, you forsake the world, but you don't forsake your wife and your children. Amen. God will come after you. You'll be a broke brother all the days of your life. Huh? I know that's right. Right, Poppy? Is it right? Yeah. Because it's stronger. You've broken a vow that you made before Almighty God. As for all these adulterers that think marriage is a game, you keep making vows to people over and over again. You see how your life deteriorates. You get up in your 50s and 60s. Nobody comes to see you. You haven't taken care of your own children. They don't come to see you. Amen. Wind up in a nursing home somewhere begging somebody to be kind to you and take care of you. You don't get off the, the you don't get off lightly. You know, this is a blood covenant. Jesus gave his life for you to be able to keep your word to people that you vow to. Amen. That works too. You can keep your word to people. Be so quick to discard people because they ain't doing what you want them to do right now. Time keeps rolling by. Pretty soon it won't mean so much you didn't have your way when you was in your 20s and your 30s. You know, he, he can't deny himself. He, he's got to prove to people his word is true. You'll find out he means what he says. You know, to your good and, and to your not so good. Repent and, and let God start changing you. That you can be more like him. God loves everybody. He forgives everybody. Forgave these people when he was on the cross. And they were the ones that, that nailed him to it. You got me? So he said, my God, my God, why have you, why have you forsaken me? And scholars believe, Bible scholars believe that was when sin was laid on him. As he was giving up his life, his life was being poured out. Says some of them that stood there when they heard that they said he's calling for Elijah. Straight away one of them ran, took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let him be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. You see the way people mock. Amen. Don't be a mocker. You know what? Just just go somewhere and don't don't participate in that. 
Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost or yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in half from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rock shook and graves were opened. And many of the saints, many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. So when he, when he gave up his spirit, in fact, one of the, uh, one of the gospels reads that he said before he gave up his spirit, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So he wasn't just a dead man going to the lower parts. His spirit was entrusted to his father when he went down there. Same thing with you and me. When we leave this earth, when we die, the father has control over our spirit. Amen. Because we're in Christ. We're raised up in him now. Amen. And so the father had control over Jesus's spirit. As he left his body and descended into the lower regions of the earth. He descended in hell. And what many people believe is that when the, the, the creation tries to overpower the creator, that's when all hell kind of breaks loose. That's why you see the earthquake. He's going down into the earth and resurrection power is encasing him as he goes down. It's encasing him even though he he has not risen from the dead. He's not back on earth yet. That power is what took him down into the lower parts. How do we know? Because the Bible says he led captivity captive and he made an open show of the devil and triumphed over him in what he did. The Bible says that if the the gods of this world had known, had wisdom to know what they were doing, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. See, that, that shows you the difference between the devil's wisdom and God's wisdom. There's no comparison. Because the devil was thinking, oh, I got him now. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you 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 get a package and you get get a hold of something and you wish you could get rid of it. Amen? So after he thought he had a hold of Jesus, he wound up finding out Jesus had a hold of him. Amen. Amen. And so as, as Jesus went into hell, he, he, he led captivity captive and those graves opened immediately upon his, he gave up his spirit. The Bible says he gave his life a what? Ransom for many. When you ransom somebody, what do you do? You ever seen these, these cop shows and they do, you know, well, we got your kid, we got your wife, we got everybody here. We want you to take $50 million down to the corner of so-and-so and such-and-such and leave it there. You know, in, in what people try to do, what law enforcement people try to do is to make sure they either are there, you know, not not revealed when they leave that money there, or they can arrange to have the the kidnapped victim 
at the site where the drop is made at the same time it's made. So when Jesus gave his spirit up to the father, the drop was made. And that's why the graves opened immediately. Because the ransom was paid. So there's no way you can deny that that the saints that held on to their faith in God throughout all those years of obeying the covenant, the law, and living through one uh, one curse after the next, if they stayed faithful to God, those graves opened. And they came open. So God is faithful. God is honest. He, it wasn't like, well, you, you give up your life and then I'll get these people out a few days later. It wasn't like that. Those graves were open right away. Amen. Letting you know that the price was paid for them and that they were free to come out when, when the head said, come out. And that wasn't until three days later. Wherever the head goes, that's where the body goes. So Jesus let everybody know that they, they were paid for when that, when his spirit, when he died, that's when God was satisfied. The father was satisfied that those people didn't have to die in sin. They were free of their sin now. And those graves up and opened up as a witness to say that gift, that, that price has been paid and your life is acceptable to the father. What does Isaiah 53 say? It says to please the father to bruise him. Why? Because he can see these graves opening up. So he can see you walking away with a clean bill of health after you've had stage four cancer. That's what it was paid. That's why it pleased him to bruise his son and let his son get beaten up and nailed to a cross. The father said it's worth it. Look at what I'm going to get in return. I'm going to get many more from this one life that's being sacrificed. And so this resurrection power was was on his life when he ascended. Other than that, he never could have gotten out of hell. Because he went down there with sin on him and his spirit attached to that sin. The father protected his spirit and put his raised up power on him as he walked through hell. That's why he walked through there with all power. Amen. He walked through there and said, well, what you want to do? Oh, no, uh-uh. Cancer, you dead. You're dead to me. You're dead to my people, too. You're not messing with anymore. Amen. I've given them power. I'm taking on this power, and that's my investment in them. When they get saved, they're going to have the same power. They're going to do the same thing to you on earth that I'm doing to you now down here. Every time they see you, they're going to hit you upside the head. What did, what did God tell him in Jesus, in Genesis three? He said, your son, you're going to have a son one day. And this son is going to bruise the devil's head. And that's what he did. And he's still bruising his head. Every time you say no to sickness, his head gets bruised. Amen. Everything, every time you say no to any kind of sin or any kind of deprivation, his head gets bruised. Amen. All you got to do is tell him what Jesus told him. It is written, sucker. Amen. It's already, your story is already complete, devil. Amen. And I'm here to enforce it. That's what we do while we're here on earth. We're the enforcement force 
for the kingdom of God. We're here to enforce God's covenant and make sure that his laws are carried out. He says, and the graves were open, verse 52, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Now, here's a tomb that used to have a stone rolled in front of it. And now that stone is moved, and you can look in there and see Aunt Gloria walking around. But she didn't come out yet. She's got resurrection life in her in that tomb. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, when he came up from hell, after chaining up the demons and chaining up and and getting restitution, making them give over everything they were holding, amen, not only souls, but knowledge, wisdom, wealth, all of those things that the enemy perverts and twists and tries to take from people, he made him give all of that up. That's why he can promise us everything you set your hands to will prosper and not fail. Amen. You, you We are the heirs of the world. Everything. Amen. When God created Adam, what did he tell him? He gave him dominion over everything of the earth and everything he created. Satan stole it, and then God sent Jesus to do what? Get it all back. When 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 God said, told Abraham he was the heir of the world, what that meant was, I'm giving Adam's wealth back to you. I'm giving Adam's health back to you. I'm giving your father Adam back everything. I'm giving that to you. All I need is somebody to work with me in this. Can you work with me, Abraham? Can you quit trying to help me and just let me work with you and we can get this thing done? The Bible says that that, that uh, Abraham, that God made Abraham very rich in everything that was. So that was a down payment on what Jesus would later get as he is the heir of all things. He owns everything. That's why you and I, that's why he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Nothing is off limits to a child of God. We just listen to the devil too much, poking us in a corner. You know, always, you know, the minute you get two bills paid, you know, in the same week, he want to mess with your other money. Amen. So if he can keep us focused only on the natural, he can kind of get us. But God wants us to know that the, the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. We are the final heirs of everything in this earl, in this world. Amen. Now, everybody's saying, oh, well, what am I going to do with it? That ain't your problem. We happen to be joint heirs with Christ. So he'll tell you what to do. He hasn't failed you yet. Stop questioning what God's already done. Start trying to figure out, how do I receive this, Lord? You keep saying, I got this, I got that. I'm getting a little curious now. Show me more. Amen. That's the way you should approach this covenant. Don't be afraid of anything. Amen. It says in verse 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. 
Those things convince people. Amen. Those things convince people. And so when resurrection power got released into the earth, this was the reaction. Many times when God enters a situation, like when, when you're ministering or something, you'll feel, feel different degrees of that resurrection life and power. You'll feel surges of power. Uh, Pastor Shirley, several times she's just come to this building when nobody's been here. And she said, you know, I got out of my car and the earth started moving under me. She said, and I kind of got scared. I got back in the car. And she said, until it happened again. And then she knew it was the Lord. So God's about some things, folks. He's not just sitting around waiting for somebody to to believe him for a, you know, a, a bill to be paid. He wants to upset the devil's kingdom. He wants to turn things up. He wants to be noticed by any and everybody that can notice things. Amen. And that's the purpose of resurrection, life and power. So when, when, when that power first showed up, when Jesus died and was raised from the dead, this power <clears throat> caused all of these things to happen, all of these things to transpire within us. First Corinthians six seventeen tells us resurrection power makes us new creatures. We we are a new species. We are man with God inside of us. We're not merely mortals anymore. We have immortality on the inside of us. In fact, you can draw from that power whenever you want to. So you're you're part man, part God, because the Spirit of God lives in you. And he is transforming us daily. As long as you stay in the world, word, you are being changed. You may not see it. You may not understand it, but it is happening. Amen. So, so he is working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Not what you want, what he wants. Amen. He's got big plans for us, folks. Things we never thought of before. And if we're still trying to fit him into some little convenient box that we think is God, I got news for you. He don't fit. Resurrection power makes him not fit anywhere. He makes himself fit where he wants to be. And he would take you along with him. Amen. So when we talk about sickness, how do we use resurrection power against sickness? You want to know how to harness this power. This power uh uh is a revelation there uh revelatory power it reveals things to us it reveals darkness and it reveals light so resurrection power works the same way it did through Jesus when he walked the earth amen in fact he said we will do greater things than he did because he's going to intercede for us and there are so many more of us now on the earth than when he was by himself with his 12 disciples. So it was made, it, it was God's plan for this power to multiply and increase in the earth. And it's still increasing. You know, people will say things like, well, Islam is growing faster. <laughs> Excuse me? Huh? Excuse me? That little dead stuff? You know, there are Muslims who are crying out for the real God. And all they're doing is, many of them, Jesus is appearing to them because he can't find somebody to go talk to them. 
in these countries where they they behead Christians, God knows what you're up against. He's not going to just make you go into the lion's den and, and you try to be a witness. He's going to talk to them people himself. Amen. There have been many Muslims who, well, Jesus came to me in a vision and he came to me this way. Yeah, because y'all won't let his people live. But he loves you and wants to see you saved. So he'll come to them himself. Don't limit God. You know, we, we are the salt of the earth. We are called to be witnesses for him. But in situations where that don't work, he knows how to go himself. God's got a plan for everybody. So in order to harness this power and get it to work for us in the realm of healing, Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, and this is a covenant of healing. This works for for people who know God, love God. My son, that, that makes you know you're, he's talking to the believers, born again. Incline your ear, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? They are life to those that find them and health or medicine to all of their flesh. So when you hear the word of God, you're being healed. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may just barely believe it, but you are being healed. I remember when I was, when I was first saved, I wasn't in a church. I couldn't stay in church long enough. I would have panic attacks and I would sit there for for as long as I could take it. I usually sit toward the back so that if I got uncomfortable, I could just walk out. You didn't take me to the front of the church. I would you be standing there looking for me and I'd be shooting out the door. You understand what I'm saying? You just you got to you got to do what you got to do. You got to be comfortable, you got to be safe. So God had a plan. You think I couldn't get the word? I could get more words sometimes and and then when I would start to go to churches, I would say, well, I'm doing better at home than I am in this place. They'd laugh at healing. They'd laugh at healing ministries. They'd make fun of people. And, oh, yeah, people, yeah, 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 they believe that stuff. I think, well, let God, let me get out of here. And then I began to see that God has a plan for everybody. Now, eventually, I did start attending a church and joined and, and became a part. We have fellowship, have a fellowship here. We have a worship meeting and we have a school of ministry. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not anti assembling yourself together. I'm just telling you, if you can't assemble, God still can meet your needs. He'll still heal you. I got delivered from cigarettes and wasn't in a church. You understand what I'm saying? I got, got, got healed and wasn't in a church when I got healed was when I could sit in a service and God led me to a a place where I belong do you understand what I'm saying but but I remember talking to God about some things related to my health and one of the things that that I was stuck I wanted to get off the medication that I was taking and I felt well enough to ask God to do that now, how did that happen? Just me reading my Bible all the time. Nobody told me there was Proverbs. I didn't know Proverbs 4.20 was in the Bible. I just read whatever my eyes laid on. And I read a lot about healing. I read a lot about um, uh, what believers are to do. I read a lot about the things that Jesus did. It. I just... 
I just absorbed it as much as I could. And pretty soon I felt a confidence in me that, you know what, you should start maybe going to church. You should start getting out more. I think you can do this. Now, nobody pronounced me healed, nobody, but the Holy, but that power working in me was healing me every time I read the word. So God is faithful. Whether you do it deliberately or, but you know what we call a faith accident, you just read the word and all of a sudden it starts making sense to you and you start getting stronger in your resolve. Would you believe it? And you know that it's real. That happened by itself. More now that I know to do it and make it deliberate. But I remember the day God told me to get off my medication and told me how to get off of it. Amen. I was, I, I was reading, reading, um, who was some of them? <laughs> I, I later, later realized them people was a cult. They, they would send you free stuff in the mail. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, it was unity or somebody like that. But they put the word on there. And the word for today was Isaiah 55:11. I remember seeing it as plain as it's plain to me now as it was then. And I said, "Oh, that's how I'm going to get off my pills. 55 milligrams a day for 11 days and I'll be done." That was my prescription. And I did it, and I've not taken a pill since then. You understand what I'm saying? God will take care. I mean, the word does its job no matter who likes it, don't like it, how much they think it's the right word to put on this situation. And, you know, don't pray that way, pray this way. Stop it. If you got enough sense to open a Bible, you can get healed. You understand? You ain't in no church. You don't know it. And you don't trust them crazy church people. You know, when I would go to some churches, the first thing you do is hear this loud scream of some woman shouting her wig is over here and she over there. Now, you really think somebody's going to hold on to their sanity through that kind of service and try to get healed? You know, you exit. You say, God, this must not be it. Nothing wrong with that kind of action. If that floats your boat and you think God loves it, have at it. But it just was not for me at that time. I needed something different. Somebody's going to make me look sane and not crazy. You know, I'd look sane compared to some of them people. You know, I was in the church one time and this girl was pregnant. I mean, big pregnant. And she started shouting and the usher started wrestling with her and she was kicking and screaming. And I just looked at that. I said, God, they're going to hurt. I said, if you don't help this woman, they're going to hurt her and her baby. You know how them ushers manhandle people when the nurses come up there and <clears throat> them sumo wrestler nurses in the church. And I mean, forgive me, y'all, if that's your shot, but this ain't. You know what I mean. They wrestle and fight people and rough them up and there's nothing holy about that. 
and they don't even understand what's happening and don't understand. Sometimes people are touched by the Holy Spirit. You need to lay hands on them and let them pray in tongues and get the whole thing. Instead of fighting with them. Same people that shout, shout every Sunday. I know sister so-and-so gonna shout today. Theatrics. And the spirit filled people have their degree of theatrics too. You know, everybody into some kind of theater. Where was I? I was talking about resurrection power, right? So activating this power against sickness and symptoms. So we have Proverbs 4.20 to 22. The continual hearing of the word heals you, period. It's medicine to your flesh. So when you think about listening to the word, you think about taking a dose of medicine. Amen? Because that's exactly what it is. Exodus 15.26. Obedience to this power will heal you. Obedience to the word will heal you by the spirit. Exodus, what did I say? 20, 15, 26, sorry. He says here, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I'll put none of the diseases on you which have brought upon the Egyptians our Lord that healed you. Now, We know God is not the author of sickness. The God of this world is. So the reason people get sick is because they're disobedient to God and that the wages of sin is death. Amen. You just draw from whoever your God is to obey. He rewards you. So sickness really becomes your reward for obeying Satan. And everybody's born into that. So it's an automatic thing that happens until God steps in. When God steps in, his mercy comes in and he will heal you. Amen. That's all he does is heal. He don't make sick and he don't put sickness on you. You walk into sickness through obeying the God of this world. He just rewards people with sickness. He rewards you with poverty. You know, you see these people out here robbing and stealing and buying a bunch of guns to protect all the stuff they've stolen, all that. And then pretty soon somebody with a bigger gun comes and takes that from them. Amen. You know, those people need to know that the devil is short on money. He's running out of it every day. Every time somebody gets born again and starts giving into God's kingdom, the devil weeps. Because he sees money going out of his, he don't have much to play with to seduce people with anymore. Amen. That's why bankruptcies are declared. That's why people run out of money. Because this world system is based on greed and based on lack. So he's all, and, and God lays up the wealth of the sinner for us. If we'll obey him and lay claim to it. Amen. Minute you start telling the devil to give your money back to you sevenfold, you start pulling from the dark world. Amen. You start pulling from, from, from that side so that God's people will have what belongs to their father anyway. 
You're not taking nothing from the He done took it from you. That's your money. You're just getting it back. You know, people, they get all righteous when it comes to, well, I don't know about this taking from the devil. Why not? He takes from you. Well, you know, isn't that sinful? What do you think? Where are you playing? You got a better system. You got a monetary system you want us to follow now. You, you can, you can run things now. Why don't you just obey the Bible and let God take care of you? But I'm telling you, he don't mean for sinners to keep nothing. They have no power to keep anything they have. They're losing more and more every day. Every time a child of God starts to give to God's treasury, One of the reasons the devil was so angry at the early church is they had all things in common. You see people start selling million dollar homes and bringing them and sitting them at the feet of preachers. Do you understand? Of course, back in that day, you, you know, you trusted the preachers because they were full of the Holy Ghost. I ain't talking about people that just talk a good game. I'm talking about people that were endued with power from Ohio. So much so that people came in and lied about the money, they dropped dead. Amen? So that's God's power swearing everybody to an oath of honesty. You couldn't come into early church and lie. Whether you were a preacher or whether you were a, a visitor, a parishioner or whatever, you just couldn't come in and do that. And you saw the effects of resurrection power in their ministries. Peter would walk past people and they would get healed by his shadow. Paul would lay hands on, on handkerchiefs and aprons and give them to people they were giving to people to get healed you want to put the preacher in jail well he's in jail what can we do lord just have him lay hands on something to take that to the people that kind of power goes where god wants it to go it's not limited by a vessel it's not limited people are finding that now on college campuses where people have been been uh brainwashed liberal, groomed, I can't tell you what all things go on there. And all of a sudden, uh, some people go into chapel and decide they don't want to leave. And it goes on 24 hours a day for 10 days. So don't tell me resurrection, life, and power. You know, well, I just don't know about all that. You know, would God do that? Oh, you're going to see more than that, honey. You just keep watching. Just keep watching. And if you can't take it, hide and watch. But it's going to happen. I'd love for him to come in here and I don't want to go. Man, that would be nice. Now I go home and face my popcorn and Cheez-Its and, you know, I got carrots in the refrigerator. But them carrots. Them cats is the last thing I think about. Huh? <laughs> Give me some. Huh? You know, I'm, I'm trying to be a good girl. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. I fast all day. And then when the, when the fast is over, I'm like the Tasmanian devil. 
You know, these people sell these containers. They say, um, oh yeah, it's a something system. And see, you fill this container with meat and it's like this big. You fill this one with, with green stuff and it's that big. I said, wait, 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 hold it. Hold, I've seen this before. Seen this before. So I said, well, not, no containers. I'm not going to do the container thing. I'm going to do self-government. So I went in the kitchen and and found a half flip. I said, oh, good. I can portion control. You seen the way them girls put the salad in the half flips? And then when you get home and open it, everything springs out. It's a full, it's a full flip, if nothing else. So I said, oh, this is a good size. Get me started. Oh, I think I'll have salad. Well, oh, I got open chips. I can't let them get stale now, can I? That would be bad stewardship, Barb. Let me put them in my flip. Well, halfway. I don't want them to come all the way out the top. Ooh, leftover chili. I got to have my vegetables. Huh? So the chili goes down, the salsa goes on, hey, the sour cream, amen? So that's what ends the fast. Right. And it's Lent on top of that. You understand? I mean, even the Catholics is cut back. How come I can't do something? But we working on it. Amen? We working on it. So Isaiah 53 3 and 4, says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him. See, resurrection power, empowering that scripture as you speak it. Thank you, Lord. You took sickness for me. You took it from me. You carried it away. And I am healed by your stripes. I am healed now. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 58, 8. Let me, I'll just stick in Isaiah for a minute. We'll finish these, I think. I fi- Isaiah 58, 8. Then shall your light break, break my, this is the fasting chapter. Here I am with my fast, the fast that he's chosen for me. He says, then shall you, when you, when you fast, your light shall break forth as the morning and your health shall spring forth how? Speedily, speedily. We need to speak that as often as we can. Father, I thank you that my health is springing forth now speedily. Amen. Don't think you got to wait forever for everything. Amen. It, and, and your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard or it will follow you. In other words, you'll be clothed in God's glory. In his presence. Now I can say this for my fasting that I do, even though I, you know, I mean, come on y'all, we, we do what we can and trust him to do what we can't or something like that. <laughs> but, but I stay in the word. You understand what I'm saying? And I, I just don't, I don't busy myself with a lot of things that could distract me 
from focusing on God and be attentive to him, wanting his presence, wanting to talk to him. And, and I can say that, that his presence has increased in my life. It's, it's paid off in that respect. There are many times where God has, has given me, uh, and I, and I need these things, not just for me, but, but for ministry. You know, you, you want to be able to help more people. And, and the more you understand and take on his, his anointing and his power, the more good you can be for him. We're supposed to live like this is, is what I believe. You know, always hungering for God and meaning, meaning it. I'm really, really hungry for you, Lord. And so, um, I can remember years ago, I was wanting the, um, to see more healings in our healing schools and, and I just, uh, decided, so well, Lord, I'm, I'm going to fast a certain number of days. You know, I never, never did bother to ask him how to do it. But at the end of one day, I guess maybe he said, well, let me let her off the hook because she, she ain't a good candidate for 10 and 15 days. Just let me, let me help the sister out. And, and I was wanting to, to, for him to do more and increase the anointing. And I was, was, uh, pouring some oil from, uh, one container to another. I might have been making something, but I, it was a measuring cup and it was a bottle of oil I was pouring for, from. And that, that container filled up. And when I put the bottle of oil back down, it was at the same level it was when I started. And so the Lord let me know. He said, yeah, I've answered your prayer. I've increased the anointing for you. You understand what I'm saying? On the first day. Amen. It was maybe like, I don't trust you to do another day because you're going to cheat. You, know <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? We see eye to eye, you know, want to say, no, don't, don't take it into overkill. I just, you know, I've heard you and I'm honoring what you, what you're doing here. And so I believe God will, will do that for everybody. It's not just for preachers. I don't know if there's a preacher in that crowd down there at that college. But God pours out to the hungry. Amen. He said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. And I mean filled to overflowing. And and we got to understand that about God. He wants to make himself available to us. Amen. Now, don't think every time I buy oil and pour it out, the bottle keeps filling up. It was just a sign. Okay. I still got to buy oil like y'all do, but. But that was God speaking to me in that situation about that thing. Now, if there's ever famine gets on, I know what to do. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, but, but still, <clears throat> he will honor our requests and our prayers. Isaiah 33. And verse 20. 33 verse 24, it says, and the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. So when your sins are forgiven, you're healed. You shall not say you are sick because sickness won't be a part of your life anymore. That's why when when we talk about ourselves as believers, even if you have symptoms in your body, you never claim sickness because you're an inhabitant of God's kingdom now. 
he's forgiven your sins and you know you're forgiven. So you're not, if your sins are forgiven, you're not to say you're sick. Amen. You say you're healed because you are healed. Amen. But why? Because your iniquity has been forgiven. In Exodus 15, he says, if you hearken to my voice, I'll forgive your sin and I'll heal your body. Amen. People say things like, well, what happens? You know, I mean, he says, obey all his commandments. You do it because you're being led by the Holy Spirit. You don't go down one through ten and say, I did this, I did that, I did that. You're being led by his spirit. And when you get off track, you ask him for to forgive you. Amen. It's not like you get one time to do this right. He forgives you over and over and over again. If you'll come to him, he understands we're like David said. He knows our our frame. We're just dust. We make mistakes. We aim at the right thing and we hit the wrong thing. And so many times we we veer off course, but don't let the devil get you off course and convince you to stay off course. You get back as fast as you can. Amen. If you have to crawl back, you you know, go back as fast as you can to the Father's house. Psalm 103.3. Forget not all his benefits. Who heals, who forgives all your iniquities. There it is. Sin and disobedience linked with sickness and heals all your diseases. God considers us healed the day that we're saved. Amen. You don't have to wonder if he wants you healed. You're healed already if you if you refuse to say you're sick. Just refusing sickness will heal you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You just just refuse to to give in to it. You refuse to make it a part of you. You refuse to let it fester and grow and let it worry you and begin to feed your your body the word of God. Begin to feed it healthy things. Amen. Not just stuff you put in a juicer. You know, that's just natural stuff. Jesus said it goes in one one end and comes out the other, basically. So it has no effect on you eternally. But these things that we put in, like the word, like meditating on the word, things that increase the power of God, when you when you're in a meeting, you go up for prayer. You let the anointing work on you. You make up your mind that you're going to leave symptoms at the altar when you come up for prayer. You're not going to take them back home with you. And if you make up your mind that you're going to, uh, this is, is gone from your life forever and keep that stand and don't waver, then God will come for you and he will do the things that, that you want to have done in your body and in your life. Amen. So, so, God wants us to have this power resident within us so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind into people who are endued with resurrection power, who have overcoming power in us, not just the power to get a little better, to feel better. and But this is a power that annihilates hell, that annihilates sin. That annihilates everything that's not good for us. And you can make a decision consciously to live God and, and to not, not slip into the devil's clutches anymore. Amen. Also, resurrection power is able to reveal evil to us 
through the gifts of the Spirit. Resurrection life and power, once you, you get filled with God's Spirit, and, and the Holy Ghost begins to work in you in the realm of discernment. You can tell when the devil is, is working things and when he's, um, you know, standing aside from things. You can tell how he's working. Uh, if you'll rely on the Holy Spirit, you can, you can know these things. Number one, you've got to stop fighting people. If you want God to tell you things and show you things, you've got to understand that you don't wrestle against flesh and blood anymore. People are not your enemy. You don't, you don't banish people from around you because you're, you're going somewhere and they're not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your, your beef is not with people. It's with the devil. And once you put down natural weapons, then God will help you to pick up supernatural weapons. So you've got to to give up being mad at people. You got to give up wanting to get even with people and talking bad about them and shunning them and not wanting to be in their company. And I'm not saying everybody is for you to be around all the time, but in your heart you got to love people. You know, this covenant works by love. It works by by God's love working in us as well as his love working to show us who we are, to show us our acceptability with him, to show us our place with him. And so once you start to to walk in love, you can see clearly things the way God sees them. And then he will start to reveal things to you more because he needs people down here that he can entrust with this power so that we can discern good from evil. We can discern when the enemy's working and when he's not working. We can discern different things and know how to attack them and how to approach them and how to allow people to, to benefit from what God is doing. When, when we had our meeting at, um, the church, when we, our last empowerment meeting was in that was it Presbyterian Lutheran? It was a denominational, like a mainline denominational church. And, and when we went to, uh, look at the building, I have Miss Nola do those things so she can find out what's what and, you know, we discuss it and, you know, pray about it and, okay, do we do this? And she had found this building and, and it's one of the older buildings, but they had an elevator and that was one of the things we needed because we got equipment to take in and out and it was a nice building the only thing was when she spoke to the pastor who's a woman uh, she told nola she said well you're going to hear about it anyway but all the other churches in the city uh, they talk about me because um i i'm a gay affirmative church i have gay members here in the church and so <clears throat> i went back to god and I prayed about it. I didn't get a check in my spirit. And I told Nola, I said, why don't you go ahead and have her send us a contract? I said, we're not part of their service. You know, we're, we're not this, we're not that. Um, you know, so, so we'll just go by faith and see what God wants us to do. We have very nice meetings there. Um, they would put out literature for the homosexual community promoting gay lifestyle. Um, I would get mad about it. But I held my peace. It's not my place. I'm waiting for God. We were there two years 
And one Saturday, I walked in and God said, I want my church back. God said, I want my church back. And he told us how to get it back for him. So for seven days, we sent different people up to circle that church, pray in the spirit, pray scripture, whatever God led them to do to pray on the on the seventh day was our empowerment meeting and we drove up there everybody and uh, we all drove around seven times made sure we broke the devil's power over the building now see i could have been mad at homosexuals i could have been in the flesh and but god loves them and so do i he wants them saved we weren't in a position to witness to anybody or save anybody we were there to do god's will so we we did what god asked us to do and I think it was about two months later, the building was up for sale. Somebody bought that building and took it back for God. So this is what I'm talking. Amen. See, this is resurrection power, folks, where you don't hate nobody. You don't go and preach against nobody. You keep your mouth shut until God opens it and gives you what to do. But I'm telling you, God wants everything of his back. He don't want sinners perpetrating to be Christians and promoting sin. That's wrong. And not just homosexual sin, but some of this other sin that his churches are doing. He wants his buildings back and he wants his people back. But I'm telling you, the discernment that comes with resurrection, life, and power is never afraid to confront it spiritually. And I mean spiritually. You know what you're doing, and God will use you. You stay humble to him, and he will use you. You get out of the flesh trying to make people feel bad and make them obey you and do the right thing according to your little gospel. You stay out of that stuff. And see what God will show you about the, what the real D-E-V-I-L is doing. And he'll give you power to overcome for his glory. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for goodness and mercy. Thank you. These things follow us all the days of our lives. We thank you, Father, for the anointing that destroys doesn't pat it on the back, doesn't patty cake it, but it annihilates every yoke of bondage that's trying to hold us to sin, to sickness, poverty, whatever it is that's disagreeable to our lives. Resurrection life and power is here to raise you up to seat you in heavenly places with Christ. Amen. When you know you're seated, you know how to do business for him. Amen. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to do business for Almighty God. So, Father, we thank you. We bless you for what you're doing in our lives. Blessing us. Helping us. Keeping us. Doing marvelous things. Miraculous things. Causing us to to be one with you in every way. We're so thankful, Lord. We bless you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. If anybody needs prayer, come up and I'll pray for you.